Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Off the Boards. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me is Go Tigers 247 digital content producer, Kenny Stubblefield, and we literally, literally just got home uh, from watching Memphis and covering Memphis win their first ever American Athletic Conference Championship, uh, 12-1, and just an absolutely magical season that is, by the way, not done yet. Uh, first ever New Year's Six Bowl. They'll be going to the Cotton Bowl in a couple weeks. So just an incredible game. Uh, they defeat Cincinnati 29-24 to and really a hard-fought game um, and come away with their first conference championship. Kenny, you were on the field the entire game, and let's start with Memphis's final drive on offense, the one that got the winning touchdown. Uh, what was that like, being down on the field? What was the atmosphere like, uh, you know, kind of watching Memphis go down the field and, and really kind of put a bow on the game? It was one of the most... Um, incredibly loud experiences I've ever been a part of. Um, it, it, it was clear to me, and it was clear to anybody who watched it on TV or was at the game, that uh, there were a lot less people at the AAC championship game than there were at the SMU game, the the college day, game day game. But like par for the course, like I think this crowd was as loud or louder than the SMU crowd. It was unbelievable, Christian, how intense, um, how uh, I think it was just a it was just an incredible atmosphere. Um, the players felt it. The players, you could tell they were feeling the intensity from the fans. Um, there was a lot of former uh, Tiger football players on the field. Um, you could tell they were feeling it. Even even those that are right now playing on Sunday afternoons, they were there and they were feeling it. Um Man, altogether, just that final drive, it was just incredibly loud, incredibly intense, and and you felt, it felt like it was just this, it it felt like destiny was about to happen, you know? The, the Tigers had struggled the whole game, but it felt like destiny was about to happen um, on that final drive. Yeah, that, I mean, that was kind of my thought on it, because they had trouble running the ball all game, as far as Kenny Gamewell and Patrick Taylor go. Really, the only offensive success they had was through Antonio Gibson and DeMonte Coxie. And on that final drive, they really just handed the keys to Antonio Gibson and let him go. And I think that uh, Mike Norvell showed extreme confidence in Antonio, for, especially for someone like we have to put this into perspective. Antonio Gibson is not a running back. He is a wide receiver. He has played wide receiver ever since he got to Memphis, played it in community college. He really didn't start taking snaps at running back until... Uh, I think it was two weeks before the SMU game, and I know most people will point to the SMU game because that was uh, when he had the massive run towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter. But he was getting a couple snaps before that, and now he has become really a focal point of this offense as a whole because get him the ball any way you can. Uh, I mean, we pointed, we talked about Kenny Gamewell all year. We know what he can do. Uh, Demonte Coxie had his best game of the season tonight with 165 yards, but Antonio Gibson is just the true definition of a playmaker put the ball in his hands and he makes good things happen and that is what Mike Norvell went to on that last drive they fed him it worked the clock management was incredible they ran three and a half minutes off the clock Um, I'm sure they would have liked to run a little bit more off the clock but that's you know with Cincinnati having timeouts and uh, Memphis being so close to the end zone that's the way it shook out Um, and then I love the third down call third and goal at the six yard line 
Uh, with how good Cincinnati's front seven is, you're likely not punching that in with a run. Uh, but once again, get the ball in Antonio Gibson's hand, give him a screen. They're going to load the box. Uh, they brought Antonio Gibson in motion. They had Kadarian and DeMonte out there. Uh, they set it up perfectly on the block, and, and you know Antonio was able to get into the end zone because he's also very difficult to tackle. So I love the final drive. I think it was a statement drive. They drove it down Cincinnati's throat and ended the game, and that's what you have to do. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, they couldn't run the full clock out, so there was a minute left, uh, and Cincinnati got the ball needing a touchdown. Memphis's defense stood up, as they have all season, stood up in big moments. Uh, typically, in the in years past, I feel like a Memphis defense probably would have folded and allowed a touchdown because that's just the stigma that followed Memphis's defense. But on Saturday night, with everything on the line, they stood up, they played well, uh, they did not let Desmond Ritter get out of the pocket on that final drive, and, and they made you know they made the plays that won the game. So overall, uh, obviously a huge win for this program, and including myself, a lot of people expected Memphis to kind of run away with this, but I don't think many people put into account, and like I said, this includes me, uh, put into account how difficult it is to play the same team two weeks in a row, especially against a coaching staff like Cincinnati because props to Luke Fickle. He is a hell of a football coach. He coached a hell of a game tonight. He coached a hell of a game last week, um, and he did everything he could uh, to, to get Cincinnati a win, but ultimately what the big Mike Novell and the playmakers stood out. What were the big adjustments that you saw um, – both Cincinnati and Memphis make from last week's game to this week's game? Well, I mean, with Cincinnati, it's obvious because it was a different quarterback. Um, and, and really what their plan was, was they uh, they tried to throw it a lot more than I thought they would, but but really what it was was letting Desmond Ritter make plays with his feet, um, which he was very, very good at. And he did make some good throws. Cincinnati had a ton of drops, um, but Desmond Ritter was able to avoid the pass rush and get out of the pocket, and that was really – that was really the big thing for Cincinnati on offense because Memphis did a much better job of containing Michael Warren, 23 carries for 99 yards. But they didn't have an answer for Desmond Ritter once he got outside the pocket. And for Memphis, I think we saw a couple of wrinkles. Uh, honestly, a couple I did not like. I didn't, I didn't like running the ball of the shotgun the whole game. I think they should have got under center a little bit more. Uh, but that was their game plan. They wanted to run the ball out of the shotgun. It worked with Antonio Gibson. It did not uh, with Kenny Gainwell. They also threw a draw wrinkle in there. I don't think I've seen them run a draw since I've covered them. I, I don't I don't remember seeing draws last year, and I hadn't seen one this year. They ran two or three. Um, they ran two or three against Cincinnati, and I think they were they were trying to set up a down the field shot later in the game that also didn't work. Um, so there was a couple different wrinkles, but um, but ultimately Memphis was able to pull it out. And I, I honestly think it's just playmakers. I think Memphis had more playmakers, and that's why they came away with this one. Absolutely, man. So um, we can we can sit here and dissect the game, um, and and I think people would be interested in that. But in the end, let's talk about let's go let's take it from the field perspective of the Tigers winning twenty nine to twenty four, um, and go up a little bit thirty thousand foot view. Let's go up and talk about what this game means for the program. Um, you know what what does this? I'm looking at their box score. I'm looking at the Tigers. Um, just their headline right now, and it says twelve and one, seven and one in the conference. Like what? And, and then add on to that AAC championship. What does this mean for the program, Christian? I mean, they've arrived. It, it's it's a, it's kind of similar to UCF a couple years ago when they went undefeated, and the rest of the country started taking them seriously. And I think that's what we are seeing with Memphis. Memphis beat 
three teams that they played this year were in the top 25 when they played, and they beat five teams that were ranked in the top 25 at some point in the season. Uh, and and that is difficult to do for any team, regardless of conference. Uh, this team went 12-1, and one and their only loss was a game that if they wouldn't have turned the ball over four times, they would have won and had an undefeated season. So to me, it means they've arrived. Uh, they've done something they've never done. This was the greatest season in program history, and, and nobody nobody's going to be able to take this away from them. I mean, it speaks for itself. Like I just said, I mean, like you mentioned, twelve and one, uh, beating beating some of the top teams in the in the conference, uh, beating some really really good football teams in SMU, Cincinnati, uh, Navy's definitely a good football team as well. So they beat a lot of good teams along the way, beat an SEC opponent in Ole Miss, uh, and then capped it off with with a with a conference championship, which is something that's never been done here. Um, it's it's but now it's becoming expected, and I think that tells that tells us all we need to know about where Memphis football is at this point in time. You know, it's interesting. I was on the field during the um, uh, during the the post game um, award ceremony and things like that. And there were there were probably four or five former players that were in that little the on the, on the field. They had sectioned it off, where um, I think it was a reporter from ESPN or a sideline reporter from ESPN had come and and was interviewing Coach Norvell and interviewing uh, the MVP of the of the game, and that's. Um, uh, Antonio Gibson. Antonio. Um, and I saw a bunch of the former players standing there. And everybody else, like all the fans were, I mean, just going crazy. I mean, it was so intense and so, like, the the passion. Like, it was un- unbelievable the amount of energy that you were feeling from the fans. But I noticed a few of the players, former players, some of them which are still playing, um, that are playing on Sundays right now, were just standing there, and they were just kind of watching everything. And I went up and I spoke with one of them, um, just kind of real quick, and I said, how are you feeling right now? And he looked at me and he said, I've never been more proud in my life. Like, that to me says it all, right? Like, what yeah. What these former players experienced when they played here at the University of Memphis, and then to see their alma mater, their university, the team that they, um, you know, sacrificed for that they that they shed blood and 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 you know fought with and are brothers for life with these people um with these former teammates and then now to see it the team that they did all that for finally reach that pinnacle there there wasn't jealousy in this voice it was just pride it was like man I can't believe that we're here right now and that really kind of set me back a little bit. Like, wow, like this is what this means. Like for somebody who's never played uh, college sports on that level, um, to see these guys respond that way was pretty impressive, pretty incredible. And and just honestly kind of made me go, we need to really think about what this means for the for former players and, and for the for the player the team the team right now, what this what this conference championship means for them. Yeah, I, you mentioned what the former players were doing doing during the celebration, and I, I noticed it as well. Yeah, Anthony Miller and Tony Pollard really kind of stood off to the side and, and just spectated and watched, and I think, like you said, they were just taking that moment in uh, because of everything that they put into this program. I mean, they, when, when you come to a school um, as a guy like Anthony Miller, who was a walk-on, or like Tony Pollard, who was overlooked during the recruiting process and, and from Memphis, I mean, they put everything they had into this program, and that, and that's just the way. It, I mean, that's college sports in general, sports in general. You put everything you have into it, um, and so, like you said, to to see them reach the pinnacle, to see them 
accomplish things that have never been accomplished at this university before. I can only imagine what type of moment that was for them. I mean, it's it, they were watching their little brothers and their, their coaching staff uh, do something that had never been done within this program. And I, and I think that is tremendous. I mean, it's, it's huge for this team. Uh, it's huge for the program as a whole. And, you know, you mentioned walking on the field. Uh, during the celebration which was an incredible moment like let's let's just take a look at that that was incredible I mean as someone who covers the team day in and day out for for two years now uh, it was really it was really cool to to see them accomplish this and to see the just the the joy that it brought them I mean it, it's it really is a, a great moment and walking past all the coaches and stuff none of them had dry eyes all the coaches you know were overcome with emotion which for obvious reasons and it was just it was it was an incredible scene. It's it's a scene that's never been had here in Memphis. So it it just needs to be celebrated. This team uh, doesn't get enough credit. Um, this team doesn't get enough love, obviously outside the city of Memphis. But they deserve to be celebrated because they um, accomplished something that no other team in the, at this school has done, and and they did it in an incredible way by going twelve and one, and and then beating a team in back to back weeks is just it's it's an awesome moment for this program. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, do we want to um, do we want to move on and talk about the the elephant in the room? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was broken by ESPN's Chris Lowe that uh, Norvell, Mike Norvell, and Florida State have reached an agreement uh, for him to go be the head coach there. And before we dive too deep into it, for people that were obviously like me and you were at the press conference after the game. Can we take a second and just commend Mike Norvell on how he handled that situation? Because I cannot imagine. You just had the biggest win in program history, the first ever conference championship, and you also accepted a job at, at one of the most historical and storied uh, programs in the country. Yeah, That's what Florida State is. Florida State is an all-time powerhouse in college football, and they may not be great right now, obviously, but as far as college football history goes, Florida State is up there with some of the top teams. So I, I can't imagine the emotion that was going through Mike Norvell's head uh, and to have to sit through a 25-minute press conference where uh, you're having to talk about this team that you know that you're leaving uh, and being peppered with questions about your future uh, and what's next and if you plan on coaching a bowl game and if you plan on doing this and if you'll be in Tallahassee tomorrow uh, the way that he handled it, I mean, is the way you expect Mike Norvell to handle it. Uh, he, he didn't want to talk about it at all, and I don't think it's not because he wasn't proud or doesn't want to talk about it, but he knows that this night is for the University of Memphis football program, and he did a great job of saying, you know, uh, tonight's about them, tonight's about us, tonight's about this win, and that's what deserves to be celebrated. Kind of like, a, you know, we'll take care of that stuff in the coming days, but as of right now, let's let's celebrate what we've done and what this team has done. Uh, and where this program has come. So I, I, I commend Mike Norvell for the way that he handled that press conference amidst everything that was going on. I don't think anybody's surprised by the way that he handled it. I mean, Mike Norvell is a stand-up guy. Um, there is there is a – I mean, he has represented this city and this program over the last uh, four years um, and has just done an incredible job. I mean, he is a – he is a quality, quality individual, and on top of that, he just so happens to be one of the best football coaches um, in the country. Um, and so, I don't think anybody was surprised by the fact that he handled it the way that he did. Um, you could see, you could hear it in his face. You could see it on his face, and you could hear it in his voice that he was really emotional 
Um, obviously, he's he's put as much time, uh, might even <laughs> be more time than than some of the players have in terms of of investing into this program. And so to see uh, to see it all come to fruition tonight, and 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 to experience the the pinnacle that that is the AAC championship for the University of Memphis. Um, you know, you could tell that he was he was emotional about that. Um, obviously, you know, loves the players like they're his own sons, and um, and then on top of that, the 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 man has done such a good job that that he's moving on and 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 getting a a situation about to join a situation that is um that would be incredibly difficult to turn turn down. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people on um message boards and even our message boards talk about what we would have to do to keep Norvell co- keep coach Norvell and 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 begging him to stay and saying well you know we you, you should stay Christian as much as you want to tell me why there really is no choice here in terms of Mike Norvell agreeing to coach to become the coach at Florida State well well you said it perfectly you said that he reached the pinnacle here and and he did and there's nothing else he can do at the University of Memphis as far as going higher other than other than having an undefeated season but at this point uh it it's it's nil it it makes no difference you're 12 and 1 you won the first conference championship you're going to the first new year's six bowl uh, there's nothing else there's no there's no more ceiling the only way that there could be more of a ceiling is if it was an 18 playoff and you were able to get into the college football playoff and that's not happening happening in the foreseeable future so he's accomplished everything that he can here and he did it in four years, which hats off to him for that. And it's time for him to to move on and and to to take over a program uh, like I mentioned earlier is is one of the most storied in college football history. Uh, typically, a college football powerhouse and a place where you can win a national championship. Uh, I don't think anyone will will argue the point that you can win a national championship at Florida if he's able to to build that program any with any similarity to the way that he was able to continue building Memphis's program. Then he could definitely win a national championship there, and I and I think I think that's why you can't say anything bad about him for for taking a job. I don't think anybody should blame him or or have any any ill will towards him because he did everything he could for this program, took him to different heights that they'd never been to before, and and now it's time for him to to move on and continue his coaching career and and try to do you know even better things at a different program. What are your thoughts on on what the what do you expect the response of Memphis fans will be, and and, and what do you hope that it is? Well, uh, we're looking at our message boards because obviously, you know, we do we do a game thread for every game where where our fans kind of interact and talk about the game and talk about everything, uh, and and we also published an article about him taking the job at Florida State, and just from reading the comments, vast majority were very positive and nothing but wishing him luck and thanking him for what he has done, and I think. 85 to 90% that that's the response that we're going to see. On the other hand, I, you know, I, I got some comments on tweets saying like, you know, what, you know, he's not Memphis Tiger anymore. Who cares about him? That is just, that's childish to me. Like that is, that's ignorant to me. There's no way after everything he did, you can say, you know, to hell with him, whatever he's gone now, not worried about what he did here anymore. It's time for us to move on and him for move on. Uh, what whatever you know to me that's stupid like you shouldn't you should never be I'm a lifelong Memphian I've I've I was um I've lived here pretty much my entire life from the time I was I think 
nine months to a year old, I've lived in Memphis and I'm 38 years old. So it's been a long time. Um, that's not what Memphians do, right? Like we don't, we don't do that to each other. We don't do that to our own. And, um, my hope and my, 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 (laughs) my desire is that we would celebrate, man, not only celebrate what he's done to this program done for this program, but then also celebrate the fact that one of our own is growing and expanding and is seeing his dreams realized, right? Like seeing his dreams realized. I was I was talking a few a few minutes ago about being on the field during the celebration and how crazy it was. And and I was standing there on the field and I was like overwhelmed with how um how celebratory everything was and how amazing it was. And then I thought to myself it makes sense to me that Coach Norvell is leaving because it's like you said a few minutes ago, he's done all that he can do here at this school. And and it makes sense to me because every conversation that's had around um, in college football about the new ideas, whether it's playoff games and, and, and what it may be, like instead of – instead of doing just bowl games and 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 just saying hey this fiesta bowl is the national championship this year they're doing an eight game playoff they're doing a uh, or a four game playoff excuse me um all those conversations happen around these power 5 conferences um and unfortunately Memphis right now is not in the power 5 the AAC is a a a quality conference and i would submit that it's probably better than some of the there it's probably better than at least one of the Power Five conferences out there in terms of overall talent, but at least one, yeah, at, at least, least one, one. <laughs> at least one. Um, but what I would say is, like he, Coach Norvell has dreams to aspire to that he wants to get to even higher, higher heights for his own career, and every one of us want that, right? Like every one of us, as a person wants to continue to grow, continue to develop, continue to, to seek higher heights. And, and he's got the opportunity to do it now. And, and so my hope as a, as a lifelong Memphian, as somebody who bleeds for this city, who's somebody who loves this city dearly is that we would celebrate the fact that this man is about to experience, um, you know, an opportunity to go to higher heights and, and is going to rep Memphis through and through the entire time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be amazing for him and I'm excited for him. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is there's, there's some people that, that don't deserve that type of love and respect, but honest to God, just from covering him and, and being around him and being around this program as, as much as I have been over the past couple of years, there aren't many people that that speak as highly of this city as him, and, and I get that. You know, obviously, coaches are going to speak highly of the city that they're in, but they don't have. You know, they're not forced to. He's not forced to say those things about Memphis. He's not forced to to talk about you know the love that he has for the city and and the way that they've kind of wrapped their arms around him and and made him a Memphian. He chooses to do those because I think that is that he's a person that truly does have love for the city, and I don't think anybody could convince me otherwise. And the things that he's been able to accomplish here, um, the things that he's done within the football program outside of wins and losses, you know, the, the character uh, that the team has is is, a, is something that I really think he prioritizes. Uh, and there's there's not a ton of coaches that do that. Um, 
I think he's done a lot of great things, and I really don't see how anyone could speak badly of him for going and taking a job at, at you know one of the all-time greatest schools in college football. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I hope that that everyone in the city is able to to take it for what it is uh, and to look at it realistically uh, and to see that it is an incredible opportunity for him and his family to take and to go do that and to potentially do huge things. So I, I think that should be the response, and I think the vast, vast majority will be because uh, I think people know what he's done for the city and, and what he's done for the program. So personally, I'm, I'm excited for him. I, you know, I'll, I'll obviously keep up with Coach Norvell and what he does at Florida State because I, I think he could definitely do big things there. So overall, I think, uh, I think the response will be pretty positive. All right, Christian, so we've discussed a lot about – the game tonight, I mean, literally, we're talking, it's been about an hour and a half since the game ended. And <laughs> so we're here. We're uh, tired. I'm eating while we're in the middle of this podcast because I haven't eaten since about 1030 this morning. Um, but we've talked about the game. We've talked about Coach Norvell taking the Florida State job. Um, I don't want to leave Memphis fans hanging um, without discussing potential head coaches for the team next year. I know that We've heard some things, and I know you've heard some things as uh, you know that sh- you've shared with us. Um, give us some insight. Give Memphis fans some insight on on potential head coaches that are out there for the University of Memphis. Well, it's funny because you know you and I just did an episode of Tigers in Twenty earlier in the week, uh, and we talked about the coaching tree that has come from Memphis. And I think in times like this, it is the most important that you have. Uh, coordinators and other spots that have come from your school because you have connections with them and and you can reach back out to them and and you know potentially get somebody like that. Um, so I think some of the names that that have surfaced early, uh, obviously with with the anticipation of this coming, that there's been some names surfacing. Um, the 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 one that we we've heard the most has been Ryan Silverfield. Uh, who's already on staff, deputy head coach, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, uh, been with Mike Norvell forever. I- expect him to get an interview and to get a look at it. Um, and then there's obviously plenty of other names. When you look at somebody like Notre Dame offensive coordinator Chip Long, uh, who was at Memphis, that's a that's a possibility of someone they could reach out to and get an interview with. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, who's the offensive coordinator at Auburn right now, is somebody that they could reach out and get an interview with. Um, Hugh Freeze has been a name that's come up uh, down at Liberty, who is from Memphis, coached at Briarcrest, went to Ole Miss, and I think everyone knows how that ended, and now at Liberty has been a name that has been mentioned. Um, And there's plenty other names that that could potentially be thrown in there. I I haven't heard anything yet, and I don't don't think so, but, I mean, a guy like Daryl Dickey, who – was here forever and then went to Texas A&M could be someone that they reach out to. I mean, there are literally possibilities all over the country because of the, the ties that are now at Memphis, you know, like the, the coaches that have come from Memphis and our coordinators, the number that that is now uh, gives Memphis a lot of resources for, for coaches that they can reach out to and, and try to get. So those are, those are a few names uh, that, that I've heard early. Uh, and most of those guys that I mentioned, I think, will get an interview at some point. So this is this is where it gets fun for Memphis fans. Now you get to uh, to look forward to a coaching search. I don't know if that's a negative or a positive. Some people love those types of things. Some people hate them. Uh, but the process should be fun. It will likely be a pretty quick process. Um, if they, you know, I, I would expect 
Ryan Silverfield to probably be named the interim head coach uh, for the Cotton Bowl because uh, I know Norvell said in the press conference night that that's the plan to coach in the Cotton Bowl, but I just don't see that happening. I mean, the the early signing period starts on the 20th. Uh, He's got to get to work at Florida State and get recruiting because they're obviously – uh, of a school that recruits in the top 15 or top 20 if not higher every year um so he's got to get get down there and get to work and and work on the recruits they have and and work on some other guys for the early signing period so I don't expect that I mean I think that was just him being on the spot and and not wanting to take away from the team and saying that so I, I would expect Silverfield to be the interim head coach and and they can mo- make a move with within that time frame obviously we don't know what the time frame looks like I expect it to actually be a pretty quick turnaround. Um, but yeah, those are those are some of the names that I think that that could be interviewed and that I've heard surface early in the process. Yeah, and I, I think one thing should be uh, reiterated that that these are there's not a we're not holding anything back from you in terms of of who's going to be the next coach. I don't think the the Tigers haven't even started that process of interviewing yet. But they, uh, I mean, they. From what we've heard and what we know about the whole process, they fought hard to keep Coach Norvell. I mean, they they did an admirable job trying to um, to keep him, and 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 from what I understand, I think it was a pretty close decision, you know, for him. Um, but they're on the move. I mean, they're they're going to make the right moves here. They're going to interview some. You're going to see some really high quality names come through, and and I think that um, that's the difference between with these last two coaching searches that we've been through with Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell um, compared to others is that this program, um, because of what Coach Fuente and Coach Norvell have done, this program is one that people want to come to. This is not a cast-off program where coaches come to that that really, you know, don't have much of a future. The the up-and-comers, the ones that are um, – are very good at what they do. They know that Memphis is the kind of place that you can come to and build your name and 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 build this program and have an incredible support um, with, within the city at the same time. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I think I agree with you, Christian. I don't know a lot about you know how this process works, but I do think it's probably going to be a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see the names that come in. Well, Kenny, with that being said, we have went 30 minutes in an off-the-boards episode, which I think we expected. We had a lot to talk about tonight. Um, but make sure to head over to the site, GoTigers247.com. Uh, football, basketball, both with wins tonight. Memphis basketball on a comeback win. Tigers football uh, coming away with their first conference championship. So recaps from all around. A uh, little bit on Norvell. We'll have a lot more coming tomorrow. Uh, a, a couple of a couple of new content ideas coming out on Norvell within the next couple of days, and then obviously turning our attention towards the coaching search and getting you guys the latest on, uh, you know, which names are hot, which names are not, who's getting interviews, uh, and where that process is going. But Kenny, you got anything else? Man, I'm good, brother. All right. Well, with that being said, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and Twenty Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 